Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host for the Disco Posse podcast this week, featuring Randy Crabtree. Randy is a fantastic human who is also a fantastic accountant, a fantastic podcaster, and somebody who's got an incredible story that will talk to you at your heart about what we need to value, both in what we can do for each other, for ourselves, and he is beyond just being the unique CPA, which is also the name of his podcast. He and his team at Tri Merit are doing really, really great stuff to empower businesses to get the most out of their tax situation, which, hey, we're in the throes of it right now. Tax time's kind of kind of not a friendly time for a lot of folks. It's part of what we got to do, but how do you make sure you're getting the best of the best out of that? So you can go check out Randy's team at try-merit.com for that. Of course, check out the show notes. We got lots of stuff around Randy and of course, links to his podcast as well. Speaking of links and things that don't need to be as bad as they are, what happens if you lose your data? Don't worry. As long as you got Veeam to protect your backside and your backup then you are in good shape. At least you're in better shape than you are with anybody else. So I gotta give a shout out to the fine folks at Veeam Software who make this podcast possible. And if you wanna check out what they're doing, go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. They'll help you out whether it's data center stuff, whether it's on-premises, whether it's physical servers, whether it's your cloud, it's your things like Teams and Microsoft Office 365. You have to back all that stuff up. And most importantly, you have to be able to get it back. A backup's only good if you can recover it. And also, completely orchestrated, protected recovery scenarios for business continuity. They cover you from soup to nuts, or from end to end, or Coke to Pepsi, whatever you want to say, they got you covered. So go check it out. Go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. And of course, if you want to make sure that you're awake and aware while that's going on, plus enjoy some of the most devilishly good brew you can, head on over to diabolicalcoffee.com and you can enjoy a fresh roasted cup. In fact, it's fresh roasted the moment you order or not long after. So we only roast when you order. Get on it. Go to diabolicalcoffee.com. All right, this is Randy Crabtree. Enjoy! This is Randy Crabtree, uh, co-founder and partner of Trimerit Specialty Tech Services and host of the Unique CPA Podcast, and you're listening to the Disco Posse Podcast. Like a pro. This is how I can tell you've got professional podcasters that are on microphone because you you are ready for this. So, Randy, thank you so much for the chance to chat today. This is something that I know, especially for a ton of my listeners. Well, it's timely with the kind of part of the year that we're heading into. Taxes become a top of mind. Uh, they're often bottom of priority, but top of mind and in the way that we've seen the world shift in the last couple of years, I can imagine that you've seen an incredible amount of change in, in your industry. But for folks that are brand new to you, Randy, uh, let's have you do a quick intro. And then we're going to talk about Trimerit, your podcast. And uh, congratulations on 
on getting noticed as it should be. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about what you're you're doing for the world. Sure. So, so you know, like I said at, at the beginning, we're we're a specialty tax service. Trimerit. We deal with like really specific parts of the tax code. Actually, tax season for me is not a busy time because I'm normally out educating CPAs on on certain aspects of the tax code. But you know, we deal with, with you know big things like R and D tax credit. You know, technology big user of the R&D tax credit. So that's something that uh, that was how we started the business. Um, over the years, we branched into six other services. A big one that didn't exist a year ago is employee retention credit that uh, we've been doing a lot of work on now as well. But that that's our background. My background is I am a CPA. I actually came out of public accounting. It was one of those generalists that was just doing in and out accounting and taxes was not uh, I liked it. Was not a huge passion. I found a passion in specialty tax. So the last fifteen years has been just an awesome ride, and and I don't see an end anytime soon. Well, that's really amazing to see too. That we, I think, every industry you know has this idea of the sort of the generalist, the early generalist days, and then when you find your your niche, your specific thing that you can become passionate about, and ultimately then translate to hitting this new target, you know, demographic target market, like ultimately building a specialty practice. That's, that's really, really great. And then it lets you just like put all your focus, but let's, you know, I really would love to just jump right into the exploration of what has the last two years looked like for you? Especially we talked, you talked about employee retention credit, like this stuff didn't exist two years ago. Uh, right. So it's, it's probably been a wild ride on your side. It has been. It's been a wild ride, obviously, for everybody. It's it's been specifically wild for, you know, at least in my circles, CPAs and the IRS and us, because everything that's happened in the last two years from an incentive standpoint runs through the CPA firm, runs through the IRS, runs in, and we've touched on that as well. And so so yeah, it's been it's been crazy. CPAs in general have had a nonstop they're going on the third year of nonstop tax season just because of all these things that have come out over the last couple of years. You mentioned the one I've mentioned as well, employee retention credit. This has been huge for businesses that have been affected by the pandemic. It's been able to put a lot of the money back into businesses at some point, help them survive at some points, help them thrive even. Uh, but it's been a really important tool to help businesses that have been affected by the pandemic get through the last uh, uh, last two years. And honestly, for us, it's been an unbelievable ride because this thing didn't exist two years ago. And, and now last year and this year will most likely be our highest revenue generating product. And, and probably not the year after, but at least over a two-year period, it'll probably be the biggest revenue generator for us. So it's been interesting. It tells you that the the interests that came from you know the the tax system you know in understanding that we needed to solve this problem you know it's i'd say by regulatory in tax you know ratings that was a pretty rapid response like this stuff right. does not move fast so for us to be able to move fast at many levels of government look and i'm not saying you know, like the government, the sloth image, like, but like, obviously we can sort of poke and joke about some of that stuff, 
but it is just because of the regulatory environments that they're they're wrapped inside it is difficult to make things move quickly and and be responsive but, but it feels like I, I think this is a good sign that hopefully the system is ready to to help people succeed yeah and this is it, it's an interesting it's an interesting part of the whole looking at tax in general over the you know life of tax which is a long life right now the last 2 years we've seen things happen at a, and, and it's not just tax, but everywhere, but happen at this, you know, meteor, meteoric pace. It's just unbelievable. And so a lot of these changes, and this is, this has gone through two, you know, uh, regimes at president as well. And so it's kind of continued on. It wasn't like, okay, one's against and one's for it. We're, we're going to fight about this. It was people agreed, let's move forward. And it started in March of 2020 on the employee retention credit itself. That's where it was defined. I mean, I can go deep into it. With, you, know, you, you can direct me there if we want to at some point, but that's when it's defined. And then it's gone through three additional pieces of legislation that have either changed it, enhanced it, affected it, and it just continues to go. So, so not only from a standpoint, is it meteoric pace, but it's meteoric pace and all the changes, just keeping up with it, just trying yeah. to, because tax code comes out and it, and you know, People, I get excited about tax code. Other people might not, so I apologize. <laughs> but this is an interesting area. Tax code comes out. Congress writes something. They're not tax attorneys, CPAs. They just say, here's what we need to do. Now we need to start interpreting that, putting that up against tax code, putting that up against IRS uh, informational documentation that comes out explaining it. And so for me, it's just been a fun weird word, but fun ride for the last, really the last year and a half, digging deep into this and seeing how we can help businesses with it. So yeah, it's been really interesting. It does show, right, in just the way you describe it, that this is what we need, right? This is what allows you to be, is to stand out amongst the industry and what you're doing, because you have to have that passion, just like anybody that looks for opportunity, not just for you, but you're all every client you've got, you're effectively opening the door to the industry because a lot of people do not understand that this stuff exists. They maybe go to, I'm sorry, I'm gonna mention, you know, I don't mean to trash on H&R Block, but it's like we, as a, <laughs> that was it, right? You're, you, the moment you can file a tax return, you have no idea how to file a tax return. So you go to your local tax shop and, and, the, the little stand up H&R Block or whatever the local, you know, tax firms are like, they're not, they're not passionate about taxes. They're just like yep. <laughs> minimum amount in minimum amount of pain and, you know, collect 35 bucks a, a, a for a turn kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird area. I, it's what you just said is how I got interested in tax. I was, I did not graduate it as an accounting degree. I was computer science degree actually, which is more in line with, I think, uh, uh your audience probably, although that's, uh, 37 years ago. So that's passed me by quite a bit, but I, I've got that <laughs> background, but, but the, the year my wife and I got married, uh, which is 35 years ago. Now I started to do our tax return and just like, might be a little bit steep to say fell in love with taxes, but really enjoyed digging into that. And 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 that was that was what was a passion for a while. Kind of came became a uh, a little bit of a more of work than a passion as yeah. I was doing this for years because 
traditionally CPAs have had crazy hours during tax season and every business can have an area where there's crazy hours, but there was crazy hours. And for me, those crazy hours just started dragging on and on. And, uh, but when you mentioned before passion, when I actually merged my firm in with another firm and then started the specialty firm, I mean, I talk about passion all the time. Now I talk about passion, you know, how it is for me. I talk about the, the, uh, the, how this changed everything, how I look at everything, how I look at, you know, business in general. Um, I, I, I talk about this all the time to different groups. In fact, I was on a, a, uh, um, talking with a gentleman just this morning where we just talked about this whole doing a self-evaluation of yourself, determining your strengths, determining your passions, using that to help you in a business setting and going forward. So for me, the specialty tax became this huge passion. And, and, and I believe me, if you, if you didn't, uh, if you turned off your mic now and let me talk for two hours, I would do it. So we bet I'll stop there and we'll see what direction you want to go. Well, I, that is, that is the thing. Like, that's what I love. You know, you, you, I sort of joke when I could describe this is Randy. He's forgotten more about taxes than you'll ever know. Right. Like you get those sort of the, those things that, but it's not about, you know, amount of knowledge or time in the system or, you know, even hour, you know, dollars per hour that you can ultimately earn. It is what you do and your choice to chase knowledge and turn knowledge into opportunity, not just for you, but for your client base, mm -hmm. which led to the business growing, which led to the opportunity to merge those firms, which gives you that sort of leg up. You are a founder, you know, like you are ultimately the same as the very clients that you serve because you've looked for that opportunity and have seen, rightly so, uh, an upside as a result of doing that. Yeah. And it's funny when you say, when you see that opportunity, because I get that a lot. People say, well, you know, because I've started multiple businesses and, you know, I've had my CPA firm, I've had other things, but opportunity is something that, you know, you said that, you know, you searched it out. I don't really search it out. It just comes to you and everybody has opportunity come to them. It's in front of them every single day. There's an opportunity there. It's just the difference between, I guess, an entrepreneur and, and someone, and you don't, there's nothing special about being an entrepreneur. You either do it or you don't. If you yeah. do you if you like it you don't if you don't like it you don't that's not it's not like you're better because you start a business it's just you're somebody that sees the opportunity and then acts on it but that's not for everybody but for me it's always that's been a passion and then when i put that together with the passion for what i do now is really education and 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 speaking events and writing articles and talking to people like eric wright which i am thrilled to be able to do that um putting those together and you can create something pretty special i would posit that your comp side degree isn't that far off of what you're doing right now in a way that you you probably seek and or discover systems inside you know or methods inside systems and ultimately in doing so you can exploit them and exploit them in a positive way. Yep, like yep. Sounds like a negative thing, but really truly see that. And I mean, heck, look at the way that economics has gone in the past three decades or more, really, in the shift that we had behavioral psychologists who would define the future of, of market economies with stuff like the work that happened with Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, who are winning the Nobel Prize for economics, but they're behavioral psychologists. Right. So in the same way that you may be doing, you may be a CPA by the designation on the business card, but your 
method and approach were discovered in other ways. And, and you, you went down the comp sci road and, and you said, okay, there, here's, here's another systematic thing that I can do, but I can really do it well. Yeah. And it's interesting you say it because in my mind, I don't, I don't see like flow charts and systems and, and, uh, you know, paths and all that. I see something I like doing and, and this is something. And, but when I look at it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I see this now. I do do that because I analyze things and then I see the next step and then I see the next step. And I, I don't see the big picture. I don't think right away, but what I found is, you know, five years ago, and I'm going all over the place, Eric. So you, 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 you rein me in anytime you God, want. This is perfect. <laughs> right. uh, so, so, so five years ago, I, I, I basically stepped down as managing partner of our firm and it was a passion thing. And it was, there was, there was other reasons as well. One, I had a traumatic event in my life that made me relook at things. I had a stroke eight years ago. We can talk about oh, wow. that anytime you want to. But uh, so I saw that and, and changed my role from managing partner which in hindsight, I realized I wasn't good at because I don't, I'm not an, I'm not an implementer. I come up with ideas. I see, I can, I can generate new business. I can come up with a, a path, but I can't implement that. That I can probably, but I just, I have no passion. And after my stroke, I realized I want to concentrate on things that are, I enjoy. And I did a whole self-evaluation, look at things that I'm good at, you know, I, I realized after 30, well, honestly, my first business was at 16. So I look back and for 43 years, I realized I was not really good at running the business. I was good at coming up with ideas and growing the business and all that. But the whole day-to-day, -day, you know, systematic approach of this is what we need to do. And here's the processes to put in place to get to the, the here. And here's the team's makeup and how we do it. That I just don't enjoy that. And what I found after the self-evaluation is took a while, but I looked and I said, you know, if I'm honest with myself, that is not a strong suit of might. And, and honestly, I don't like it. So why am I doing this? And yeah. then looking at the things I like, which I mentioned before is education, I, I, looking at a new tax law that just came into existence two years ago and and being known now as like the expert in the country on this stuff and looking at it and being able to share your knowledge. That's another big thing with me. Share your knowledge. Don't keep it hidden. Share it. Let teach people. Let them know what's there. You know, at, at some point they'll know, well, you're the expert. I need to come to you to do it. You don't have to sell. You just have to be a good person out there uh, sharing uh, what you've got. So so looking at that whole reevaluation and passion and that changed my role in the business and in the last five years We've uh, we've got an eight hundred percent increase in revenue, partly because I'll, I'll give him credit. A big part is because the processes my partner put in place to to yeah. really take us to the next level. But in reality, it's also me getting out there and educating people and explaining and letting them know that there's these opportunities for tax savings. And and that combination for us has been outstanding. It really is the the important thing. Like for any any growing company, especially once you hit a point of like stability in business, at least in revenues, you need a COO or a chief of staff, somebody who really is focused on the, 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 the processes and, and they're good at that. And I'm with you, like every year I have to do my, you know, sort of employment self-assessment. 
And every year I say, yeah, it's that time of year again where we say Eric should be doing more stuff around long-term project management, given his seniority. You know, it seems like right. this is one area that we don't uh, leverage and, and somewhere he's, you know, struggles a bit. And I'm like, I'm 49 years old. I've had the same self-assessment since I was 25. <laughs> and every year they say, let's find a big project for Eric to lead out. And then it it will go precisely as well as the last, you know, 22 of them. Right, right. <laughs> Which I'm sure is great. Like, yeah, but it's like, let me, let me do. And to be given that freedom to explore your strength. Yep. And look, I'm... I'm glad that I'm here today with you, Randy, because you are on the right side of a major health event, right? That's oh, yeah. a that's a big thing. And it's the one thing that I wish we would do better as humans is I I wish we could wish we could find that passion and that drive and that reason without the the Dramatic triggering event. event. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's 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 a so I'm so we mentioned before that, you know, I go out and I speak a lot. And so my speaks, my speech, my webinars, my things have always been on tax topics. And I started writing articles for accounting magazines the last uh, year, year and a half. And some of it's been tax, but more of it's just been, you know, I wrote a, an article about hiring individuals with disabilities, you know, which is a passion of mine because I'm very fortunate. I came out of my stroke um, with a uh, 100% recovery physically. I don't have any deficits, which I think the number is, and I might be wrong on this, uh, although I should know this. I'm also president of an organization called Stroke Survivors Empowering Each Other. So I should know the numbers, but I think it's only 8% of us come out fully, um, you know, um, without any kind of deficit. Um, wow. And so I'm very fortunate about that. Um, the, um, the f I forgot where I was going, Eric. <laughs> but this is the, the idea that you can, you know, take that and, oh, yeah. and turn it into a thing that empowers you to, you know, get out in the world. And, and it's that whole thing of, you know, we, especially it's just like the human behavior is so bizarre that we like work, 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 work to a point where you can eventually enjoy the fruits of your labors. Yes. But by the time you get to do them, your health is degraded, your no, ability exactly. to, it's, it's so upside down sometimes. I, so I, I always, I always had a mindset of, I'm not going to wait till retirement to enjoy things. So, so even though I had the stroke, it wasn't like this is going to change how I look at, at life. It changed. I mentally had issues for five years. You know, mental health was a, a, an issue for me. Physically, I was fine. Mental health was an issue for five years, but I had always had that mindset of, you know, enjoy life works. One thing, you know, family life, all that's another thing. Um, doesn't mean they can't, be combined too. And that's a huge thing that I like talking about is that, you know, I'm not the tax expert. I am the dad. I'm the hiker. I'm the craft beer enthusiast. I'm the, you know, whatever else it, that, you know, being the tax expert doesn't define who I am. All these other things do. And so we try to bring that into business as well is, uh, um, you know, everybody in our firm is not 
their job. That's not who they are at all. They're yeah. good at it. They they enjoy it, I'm hoping, for the most part. We want people to enjoy it. But the stroke didn't make me change that way, but it did help me reevaluate what my role in the business was and make sure that I was having more fun in the role that I was doing and using my strengths rather than you know, and trying to increase my weaknesses and make them better. I, I, I think that's in my mind, put bluntly. This is my opinion. I think that's crap. If you have your weaknesses, there are weaknesses for a reason. You don't, you don't have any passion. You don't like it. It's not, you're not good at it. Why force yourself to be good at that? You know, look at yourself and say, okay, this is what I'm good at. Um, I'm good at this. I should concentrate on this. I'm good at that. I enjoy this. How do I all those things and for me making that change that was triggered by the stroke to enjoy things more in business has just i mean three five years ago i would have told you i'm going to force myself to work three more years and then i'm done after this change i can't imagine stopping i'm having way too much fun and honestly i'm really good at what i do because i enjoy it the the interesting thing too, especially when it's like health related, where we see those those events, uh, you know, I I even see it in work context all the time, where you tell somebody like, ah, you know, I I need to take a couple of days off. You're like, okay, let's make sure we 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 work around your schedule. Do you have any deliver? Like, it's always immediately saying like, how do we fit your vacation into your work schedule? But if I say I'm, I'm really, I've got a, I'm run down and I got to head to the doctor. People like, no problem. Clear your calendar. What do you need help with? We got it. I'm like, God damn it. Why can't we do that every day? Why? I tell people all the time, just take a day. Just say like, I got to tap out and like, just say, just call it. Just shut the calendar down. I don't care how full it is. Tell those people I can't, I've got something I got to deal with at home. And they're like, no problem it's we should all have that want to do that and that passion to do that like at every day that's what we've i feel we have in our our company is you know here's what you need to do you know what you need to do do it whenever you want if you want to work at two in the morning because you know you want to be with your kids all day you know, do it at two in the morning we just implemented this year unlimited pto we we know our people are very, you know, uh, good at knowing what they need to get done and when they need to get it done. And, you know, like me personally, the last two months, I've just been on the road working. We have plenty of people that do that. They're just nomads. They go wherever. We've, we've pretty much had a virtual office from the beginning 15 years ago. It's just the nature of our business. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, uh, we, I feel are living that within the business, I guess, uh, you know, it, I, I would say that the people would, with internally would say that as well. I try to talk to everybody as much as I can just to talk about things that aren't work related, uh, which I think is important as well. But I would think that people are are happy. Well, I know people are happy working here and uh, and enjoy the freedom that they have the with the way we set things up. And on the health side too, you know, having seen your your bio picture and seeing the real picture here. You definitely, you prioritize health. You look thinner than your bio picture, which is kind of uh, fun. So you talked about hiking. You talked about introducing that. How important is the that lifestyle? And, and especially in the 
in the work sense too, where, you know, how do you as a team, you know, promote each other, staying healthy on every aspect? Yeah. Well, for me personally, I hate that the bio picture I have, cause I think I look fat in that as well. So, <laughs> um, and I still feel that way when well, actually, when I had my stroke eight years ago, it was three months after I won a fitness contest. So fitness has always been an important thing to me. It, uh, working out, you know, probably my entire life has been working out a serious, you know, in the gym workout started in 2003. Before that, it was just basketball every day. That was my workout, basketball yeah. every single day. Nice. Um, and, and so for me, it's always important. In fact, my goal, I'm sitting in a hotel in, uh, Tucumcari or Tucumcari, New Mexico right now. I'm not sure the right way to say it. Uh, as soon as you and I are done, I'm heading down to the gym and getting on the elliptical for a half hour. So yeah, we talk about that all the time. You know, take time to do whatever you want. And that goes back to, again, so I have a friend and I mentioned him a lot of times on podcast I'm on, John Garrett. I don't know if you ever heard of John's name, but he wrote this book called What's Your And? And oh, it's okay. Yeah. It's it really the book. I felt I lived what your and before I met John. But after I met John, now I have a definition of it, what it is. It's it's and I kind of mentioned this earlier. It's not, you know, your your job doesn't define you. Your passions outside of work you define you. And so that's what we try to tell people in the business as well. And if exercise is one of it, and hopefully it is prioritize that you can work your schedule around it. Um, and, and that's, that's our goal is to make everybody make sure that they're doing the things they enjoy and work will be one of those things as well. If they have the freedom to do whatever they want. It really does breed the, the sense of comfort that that's a priority, you know, as a team and that gives the people the ability to embrace it. You know, I remember working, I had a good friend of mine, we became good friends through work, uh, and he had done marathons, then he did Ironman. And we had a deal that our company worked with a gym that was right in the, like the adjacent building. And we worked in tech, right? So we're working crazy hours all the time. Mm -hmm. We're constantly working nights and weekends. And, and you know, it's not, not a lifestyle conducive to health. <laughs> no, sure. no, no. And he, we got this deal through work where this gym, which was normally like $130 a month, we could get it for $20 a month. And he, when we found out we got this deal, there was like 12 of us on the team. We sit down in our team meeting. He says, I'm telling every single one of you, I don't care if you only go there once a month, once a week, whatever it is. He says, you have unlimited time to go to the gym, book one hour of overtime to pay for it and sign up today. Yeah. And yep. all, every single one of us, signed up there were three folks on the team who had never even they wouldn't have gone to the gym unless it was on the way to the food court like <laughs> and they okay sure let me tr give this a try and next thing you know six seven months later these folks who had never thought about even adding a health regimen or a, a fitness regimen into their life were now focused on it right and getting in there every morning, you know, saying, no, can't do lunch meeting. I got to go over. I've got, you know, I've got Pilates class. I've got, I'm going to jump on the elliptical and do whatever. And it became a core of their day. And it was so fantastic to see that. Yeah. And it's for me, I just feel so much better after working out and that helps me work 
I'm sure it helps everybody work. You just, your, your mind's better. Your body's better. Everything feels better. You have more energy and working out doesn't drain you and working out, at least for me, it gives you energy. And so I guess if you look at it selfishly as a business owner, it's a, it, it's going to make people more productive. That's not the reason to do it. Um, but it, I think there is a side benefit. And just like what you said, you know, we moved into a new office, I don't know, three or four years ago, pandemic time. I don't know anymore what <laughs> time frame is. <laughs> it's all kind uh, of a blur now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But one of the keys was we wanted to have a gym in the office and they were just building it. And I haven't been to the office. I honestly haven't been to the office in a year and a half, probably at least. But I was talking to someone there just yesterday and he said, yeah, the gym has been done for a while. He says, it's awesome. You know, two locker rooms and it's just part of our you know, fee for uh, renting the, the space we're in. So that, nice. and then most of our people are on the road, you know, pandemic obviously changed that, but we're getting on the road again and we have a gym in every hotel we're at. So getting to a gym shouldn't be an issue. And, and uh, really I, uh, I tried to talk about exercise and working out as much as I can. Cause I think it's important. In going out and doing speaking opportunities and now with the podcasts, let's talk about, you know, taking this passion to the audience now and, and being able to evangelize, you know, this is such a unique time that, you know, versus 20 years ago, even, you know, 10 years ago, maybe where it's now you've just you can grab a microphone you can publish you can get it out there and you have a growing audience and you're being recognized rightly so for your ability to share just fantastic ways of you know, both storytelling and really bringing important information to the community yeah it's been this is this is one reason things have gotten so exciting for me in business because i get to go out and and, and talk all the time. But yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because my, for years I've been out doing CPE, continuing professional education for CPA firms. And I'd be out traveling and doing that inside of a firm or at a CPA association event, occasionally at like a tech event or a manufacturing event. But most of the time we're working with CPAs. They bring us to their clients. And, and so I was always able to do that pandemic when it hit i'm like what am i gonna do how am i gonna how am i gonna you know be able to get in front of all these people and the first few webinars on zoom or or whatever you know uh, go to webinar go to meeting whatever i was on it was like yeah it's just not the same i don't I'm, there's no interaction yeah. with me in the audience i don't but i just started thinking about it. i just the mindset was they're there i'm gonna talk they're still there and I can hear them and they can see me. And, and I, when I present, I try to have a conversation. I'm not that this never scripted. I, I have slides that I'm going through, but there's never a script. Every single one's different. And, and I'd like to get the questions typed in. So that has been huge. And in fact, at this point in time, I almost think that I've probably had a bigger impact on the industry in the last two years than I had prior. I probably educated 30,000 CPAs on the employee retention credit over the last year and a half. There's no way I would have done that traveling. So it was pretty interesting to, to have that change. Now, I like still the audience and being in front and seeing their reaction. Um, but this is going to be a blend going forward. So so that's been nice. And then, you know, in the last year and a half, I started concentrating more on the writing articles, which, you know, traveling, I probably would have put that to the side because I probably yeah. would have been on, on planes and 
I try, I actually work on planes more than I used to pre-pandemic, which I never used to do. So doing that too, but now I'm writing the articles, the podcast has really started right after, right before the pandemic. I've been able to concentrate more on that. So it's weird how the pandemic's changed all that and what I thought would be for the worse. I think a, a, a hybrid approach going forward is going to really work out well and, uh, and you know, I, to be able to be out there and impact uh, what's going on in the industry has been a lot of fun and a lot more able to do that the way it's gone the last two years. It's a funny thing that I, I get asked quite often about, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you go to events and you do keynotes and whatever. And they say, like, it must be great. Like you like to like to talk and I like to collaborate. And when I do a keynote, I've described it to people as listening to 500 people at a time. And yeah. the fact that you're watching reactions and little mm -hmm. things in, in the audience and it it steers. So I've never been good at scripting, partly because I I think I, I just don't have the capability. I've whether it's I, I have a poor rote memory. There's a lot of a lot of things. I have dyslexia. So that also, yeah. you know, really kind of cuts into me reading and talking at the same time. I just can't do it. And I've become very adaptive, but mostly, you know, in doing in having conversations. That's why I love the podcast, because yep. then you can do it. And you also do it in the mind of 500, 1,000 people watching you. And right. yep. you you begin to think like that, like you, I'm able to carry that imprint and that memory of those experiences into this these types of conversations, which is so fun. Yep. And, uh, you know, I enjoy it. And that's why I like your style, like your delivery is so fantastic because you're just, you're, you're at home. It's... It's like you're sitting next to a conversation you'd love to slow down at. If you were sitting at, at a table and somebody next to you was having the conversation, you'd be like, you know, like leaning <laughs> over a little bit, sort of like watching, like you just want to hear it. Yep. No, I agree. And what you said about the scripted, you, you know, we've all seen boring presentations and they're the scripted ones almost always. The conversations are the way. And that's why I said I try to act as if I'm having a conversation with the audience, even on webinars when I'm not. And you just said it as well. And I think that mindset is huge because nobody wants to be read to. I mean, you know, yeah. unless it's an audio book. Other than that, I don't want to be worst, read to. <laughs> yeah. You've got these when they do corporate like big events especially when they're doing like stage events and there's oh it's so painful because you know like they're great people and they're basically put up there and it looks like a grade six you know play about think the origin of thanksgiving you know it's like so peter how exciting is this year now that we're going to be able to do this that's a great question eric <laughs> how do you like they they've pre-configured the scripted you know witty repartee and like oh the only thing that's missing is like when someone says i think that's a great idea exits towards the left like they <laughs> are like line for line reading yeah <laughs> like it's painful because you're like you talk to these people like you're a human you can have a right. conversation just oh take away it's the script I, exactly. Because you can, ha even on podcasts, you'll hear this where it's, okay, I'm going to ask question one. Okay, tell me about this service you're working on right now. And then, boom, the answer. And at the end of the answer, let's say somebody says, 
Yeah, but it's been tough for the last couple of days because my dog died. All right, well, tell us about this. I mean, they, you can't you you can't go to the. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And you know what kind of dog it? It's like, oh no, I got question two. We can't. I, you know, your dog doesn't matter to me now. Text question two is how are you getting this service out to your clients? I mean, it, it that script just bothers me so much. You know, having a human connection, interaction, and like you just said that conversation, if you're having it back and forth and someone hears it, they're going to lean in. That's, that's perfect way to explain that. Eric, you are really good at this. <laughs> to, the misspent youth of watching great conversations. Eh? <laughs> the, the one thing that is really neat about your approach and, and you hear it in everything you say is you are so outly focused on other people's positivity it's incredible like you talk about your team you talk about empowering people and teaching you know everything you're doing as selfish as it deserves to be because you deserve to be able to enjoy the the benefits of stuff it's like the moment you feel 10 percent, you want to give 90 percent away i really get the sense that community and sharing is a has been a strong part of your life it is, and it, it's it's funny because I I don't think of it that way, but it keeps coming up in conversation where people say what you said. So apparently, it shows through. <laughs> um, but I, as I mentioned at the beginning, a little bit that I started my first business at sixteen, um, partly because I didn't want to work for anybody else. Um, I, I ended up uh, after graduation, went and worked, was a computer programmer for about a year. Um, uh, that failed and then it was it really it was I, it was the business i was at it was just we did nothing but then i thought hey i should go out and sell because people i know that are selling are making a lot of money and and i went out and tried to sell and i was awful at it um because it was formula formulatic for you tell me that word i'm trying to say formula <laughs> there was a formula to it. Yes, yeah, yeah yeah there you go there was a formula to it and i just there was like no passion it was just like and it was food and it was uh it was, you know, it was fun, but it was not, nah, it wasn't even really fun. It was just I wasn't good at it. Um, but I learned from both those things. I learned a lot. Um, and then and then I decided to go back to school full time to be a CPA. This is a long answer to what we were just talking about. I'll get to a point here in a second. So then I went back, uh, got enough uh, hours in graduate school to take the CPA exam, did that. And that's where I started thinking after I went to work for a firm, which was a great firm, really enjoyed the, the, the two partners I was working for there. Um, but I started thinking about things that as an employee, I don't like this or I don't like that. And I started writing these things down thinking, okay, someday I'm going to have my own firm. And when I do, here's how I want to do it so that people enjoy working here. So I think that mindset whether I consciously think about it going forward or not, that was developed, you know, 30 plus years ago when I started working in public accounting because I just saw things, not that these people, I really liked working for them, but as an employee, you see things different as an employer. And I wanted yeah. to make sure when I was an employer, I would think about the employee first um, and not anything else. So that was my goal, whether I've accomplished it or not, you know, you can ask the people that work at Trimerit, but I feel we've done a pretty good job. The, the, the I often hear people describe, you know, especially early entrepreneurs, you know, they, they say I was, I was unemployable. Like you, you always sort of saw a, a hole in just being 
part of someone else's system, you really get that early taste of, hey, I kind of want to be responsible for the outcome. Yeah, and it's especially at 16, I imagine even then that probably wasn't the first time you you probably thought about it even earlier as just that was the first time you executed on it. Probably. I'm the oldest too, so I'm sure being the oldest of uh of four siblings makes it and in reality I'm the oldest of, you know, twenty cousins and that all lived right around each other. I mean within blocks. So I think that probably had something to do with it as well. That you know, you're kind of the leader of the 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 sibling slash cousins gang. Uh so that probably had something to do with it as well. Well, interestingly, like by a common trait of the oldest is actually they're the most sort of conservative and less likely to take risk. You're hmm. often the closest to the parents, right? Because if you look at the behavior patterns that you observe are of people who are 20 to 25 years older than you, say in the time frame that you and I were were, were raised, right? Now it's, you know, 45. <laughs> it's a longer gap between the first child and the parents. But then your next sibling their model of interaction is following you who is you know two years different or or a closer age right so they tend to be more free and more you know they they think differently versus your your model of behavior tends to be much more mature but yet you've got that real good rare mix of that responsibility as well as the sort of sense of freedom that you you give to yourself yeah, and I think that I think I think you're right on, and you 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 got my brother to a T too when you explained the second. So um, <laughs> definitely different. Uh, we're a very close family overall, which is nice. But each of us has a a separate personality, and I never really looked into that whole first, second, third, whatever traits. I know a little bit of it, um, but yeah, I I I I could see the oldest not being the risk taker. When I look at business, I don't see the risk. So maybe there's just a gene missing in me or something, which is <laughs> which can be a problem um, because I always just see the positive. Hey, this is this is opportunity here. You know, let's do it. I, I I guess in the back of my mind, I know there's a chance for failure, but it doesn't really it doesn't demotivate me. And that's right. the difference between entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs in my mind is they see the risk first, not the opportunity first. And, and and I think it's you need to see the risk. It's just I'm not really good at seeing that that risk. And for me, I mean, overall, it's worked out. There's been wins. There's been losses. But uh, um, I'm on a big winning streak right now. So I'm enjoying it. It's from a fun standpoint and a business standpoint. Well, part of it is the you talked before about like setting yourself up to be positioned against a team, a partner, somebody who else can like pick up that piece that you know that you're not going to be the best at. Like, why, why in goodness name would I spend, you know, if it's 50% of my time, but 80% of my mental effort mm -hmm. to do this task, then why in goodness name, if I've, if we've afforded ourselves the ability to staff somebody to do this, and by God, get them in that role and let them be fantastic at it and then let me be fantastic. So it's funny that there is a difference between an entrepreneur and a visionary. Sometimes an entrepreneur is just like somebody who's willing to go it on their own because they kind of want to manage the, the process. But yeah. visionary is somebody that's like you, you know, and I said not just like you, you are a visionary in that you're saying, I'm 
I've, I'm going to go with this crazy idea. I'm going to go with this big idea and I'm going to see if this can work. And then you find, you, you hypothesize, you bring it out, you test it. And then you look for people that can help you to bring that vision into a reality, which is exciting. Yeah, and I, that's it. Didn't it, it? Took me a long time to realize that was my <laughs> my my strength. Uh, I just thought it was as an entrepreneur, you're supposed to do everything in my mind. And boy, <laughs> yeah. um, it took a long time to 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 figure that out. But when I did, I mean, when I look back to you know five years ago when I stepped out as managing partner and my partner took over, and I had mentally fought that, I wasn't sure it was the right thing to do. Man, I should have done it years ago. In reality, at the time, yeah. it was perfect. I wouldn't have changed anything. But he is so good at the managing of the business part of things. He is so good at the implement. He is so good at the processes. He is so good at all that, where I have no desire to do any of that and, and really never looked at myself internally to realize I had no desire to do that. It's just something I wouldn't pay attention to. And so, yeah, you know, getting that team approach. One thing I tell people, because I... because everybody says influencer i don't influence anything i people people uh um um i guess just like to talk to me about certain things you know and uh um they'll ask me about just business in general and what i've learned and and i'll be 60 in a couple months so i've learned a lot over the years um took me a long time to implement what i learned but the biggest thing is is and you just mentioned and this is the point is fill those your your gaps in with other people's strengths and even if you're just starting a business and you mentioned this as well and i I tell this to people all the time let's say you're starting a restaurant you're doing that because you're passionate for food you know i'm sure that's why i'm sure you enjoy i mean that's one reason let's assume that's your passion is food and developing recipes and and seeing people enjoy what you've done your passion isn't bookkeeping your passion isn't hr your passion isn't tax returns your passion isn't you know getting the technology set up in your business that's not your passion i'm sure it could be but in most cases and so fill in those gaps whether it's employees if you're if you're lucky enough to be able to afford an employee find someone that fills those strengths that you don't have uh, if it isn't you can outsource just about anything i mean the, you know whether it's a part-time cfo you know, HR obviously services tech huge. I mean, you can outsource anything in there. Um, and, and, you know, in reality, it's not, it's people will say, well, it's going to cost too much. In reality, it's, you're going to make more by doing it because now you can concentrate on the thing that's really going to, you know, make your business shine. You know, concentrating on HR is not what personally is going to make your business shine. Your passion for creating these, these recipes is what's going to make your business shine. Now find someone else that could do those other things. So I agree with you completely. That's, that's the way to look at things and not something I always did, but it's almost 60 now. I have for about the last five or six years. We've we've luckily developed enough hindsight and 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 figured out, you know, it's you you can see it in advance. You're you're you mentioned before about the idea of like the timing of the change where you left the the managing partner role. And it's funny when we when it happens, you have that weird moment where you're like, why didn't I do this earlier? But I like that you recognize that there was every reason why you didn't, right? It's, I often say to myself, what would I say to myself? You know, what would you say to 20 year old you? Mm -hmm. And I give all sorts of advice to my 20 year old 
me. And do you know what 20 year old me would say to me? Shut up, old man. I got <laughs> <Exactly>. this. <laughs> and that, that's true. That's true. I want to address something you just said, because I think this is important. You know, I had a little resistance to change in that role from Angie partner. And looking back, why? Why would I have that resistance? And it's because I felt that was my identity. In reality, that's what I, you know, probably looking back, that's what I thought. My identity is managing partner of this pretty significant specialty tax firm. And, and so if I'm not that, who am I? You know, what am I? Am I, you know, do I just become a, a partner in a firm that now is somebody else's firm? And, you know, that's a weird mindset, but that's probably what I was thinking. Yeah. You know, look back at that now and where I am today. This identity I have today, it's just, one, if you look at ego wise, it's I'm more recognized today than I was back then. I mean, I'm pretty well known in our industry. Um, and and so I guess that's the ego end of things. But it's an identity that I just enjoy so much more than that identity. I thought what I had to be before I did not have to be that looking back now. The world deserves you, Randy. I mean, <laughs> they we deserve the passion that you can bring to that larger audience, right? It's so amazing to see when those two things come together because you can, you know, there are a lot of folks who they never, they never need to go outside of, you know, inside the organization. And that's a fantastic function and role. Like that's ideal for, for those folks. Not everybody wants to get out and, and, and be able to talk to a larger community. And some people, some people don't like to share things. They're very introverted. You know, I still have sort of weird splits sometimes where I'm uh, an extrovert by profession, but an introvert by nature. I'm a mm -hmm. cyclist. I'm a runner. I like being very introspective. I like yep. alone time and it gives me free thought, deep work. But I also like collaboration and these sort of things. But every once in a while, I'll hit a point where I'm like, all right, time to tap out. I got to go for a walk. <laughs> like, you know, you go to a big conference and every night I used to purposefully stay with my hotel far away from the conference center so okay. that it would I'd be like, oh, sorry, guys, I got to go because I got to go change. So I'll, I'll see you guys back at dinner. Knowing that it was like put in ear noise canceling headphones, right. I would go sort of like deep detach for a bit and then re-energize and, and come back to it and look at you now you're this uh podcast host of a uh, top one percent is that what i heard uh, that is nuts yeah thank you uh, yeah i know it's that's, uh, uh, that's great um then and so obviously it it's not the introvert part of things it's just the <laughs> passion you have a passion for this i say passion all the time and people get sick of me saying but you have a passion you enjoy this you can tell you you enjoy this and it's not that you know group setting of the conference that maybe was a struggle to try to you know have these conversations that are talking about whatever not something that was is it's exciting and now you get to direct wherever you want this to go and you enjoy it and uh, um the same way from that standpoint i mean growing up i was the shy kid i mean that's what i was known as look i always in my mind i always thought well i'm not shy just if it's important i'm gonna say it i don't there's nothing important to say i wasn't a small talk guy or anything like that and that i remember thinking that from a young age uh, as a side note i hate the labeling thing like that because i still yeah. know i was labeled as shy and and in reality that's not i'm not i wasn't it's just that's the way I was. So I, I hate that. Um, and when my kids were growing up, 
if they were if somebody was trying to label them i would get mad so so that's that's a that's a we can talk about that forever but but uh so i always label this the shy kid in fact to a point where my third grade teacher sent me to speech therapy because she thought i couldn't speak i mean it was that level um yeah. but it was more of a if it's not important why do i want to discuss it which i think has helped a lot today because when i'm doing webinars i mean i have to make sure that I have the answers because people now one look at me as an expert. And if I don't have an answer, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm getting everybody on the team to start researching this. We need to find this out. And with tax code, like we said at the beginning with tax code, the last two years, there's a lot of unanswered questions with this stuff. And we've been the first to release information on some of this stuff often. In fact, last month we did a webinar where there was two key issues with R&D tax credits and some changes that occurred that I had a webinar the next day at 11 a.m. at 5 p.m. There was two answers that we didn't have. And this is brand new information, but I figure this the answers exist. We have to dig into tax code. We have to find this. So I got about five people and myself starting to research this. At at 1.30 in the morning, I get an email from this one guy who was brilliant, uh, uh, John Caprell. He he just knows all the tax code inside and out. Um, and uh, John Seagraves as well. He does. I'm going to call people out in the firm. These these guys are great researchers. And he, he sends me an email where he found an answer. Well, I didn't see his email. I woke up at 4.30 and I'm researching because I can't go to this webinar and not answer this. I could ignore it. <laughs> I don't want to ignore it. I want to be able to tell everybody this is how it is. And I, I could have ignored it. And then I found it. Then I saw his email and it we meshed. I'm like, okay, he's agreeing. I'm agreeing. We have it. We have important information now. This is exciting. This is important. And then going back to you know eight-year-old me, it's as important to say, I'm going to say it now. I'm not shy. Yeah. I just want to make sure it's important. And so that's, I, I think that even though it was a label that probably I look back and wish I didn't have it, it's made a big difference in my life going forward. So it's probably a blessing. Yeah. It's so funny that like shy used to be the, you know, there's a difference between shy and quiet, but it like when we were kids, that was a thing. You're just like, Oh, they're the shy kids or whatever. And there were, people who were very extroverted and they wanted to be, you know, sort of, they wanted to be heard. I prefer to have something important to bring to the room, yep. you know, and there's a, an interesting combination too. I, I used to joke with people. I'd say, I'd never ask a question that I don't already know the answer to, you know, I, I research in my head long before I ever yeah. will, because I don't want to be caught out. So like, I kind of just want to make sure that I'm going down the right road. So you take it in. And I used to like be a people watcher. It's still my, one of my favorite things. When I go to airports, I just put in like music mm -hmm. and I, or I'll have an audiobook sometimes, but I just, just to watch the behaviors and the way that people interact. And you, it makes me, a, it makes me a much better presenter because I can do that in audiences. And then doing that so much in person translated to the webinar platform where I know how to sort of, I shouldn't say control, but it's like, I know how to yeah. manage people's attention appropriately where you, you bring things down and let's, 
Like yep. it's a very important thing. But what we really want to do is we want to get into it. Like, and you can like bring them up and down. You want to bring them. People always talk about this thing. They're like, there's this thing then in, in the middle of a webinar, they call it the attention hammock. I'm like, not in mine, kid. <laughs> no <laughs> attention hammocks anywhere. No. no room for that. Yeah. I, I've said this one thing often and it sounds negative. I don't mean it like this, but you know, you, by observing you, you, I think what you do is you, you, you help people make the decisions you want them to make a little yeah. bit and and it's it sounds weird but it, it's 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 more than that because that's it's it's you educate them to the point where they you know are you're directing them their knowledge and then you help them to come up with that solution that they're looking for whatever that is um but examples of this that i've done is like i've been wanting to be part of a few um boards in the past and I don't ask anybody to ask me, but I somehow get it to a point where, okay, yeah. And, and it's education. I'm educating them on things that I am passionate about that I like. And then they start thinking, oh, you know what? Randy would be great to be involved in this. So I never you know, asked to be on these. I want to be on. And then just by letting them know things, they, they ask you. So I think to make that not sound like a negative thing, because it very well could be like, you know, you're manipulating people. That's not it. It's just, you know, getting to a point where where you're helping them make a decision. One thing I'd, I'd love to get your 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 thoughts on, because a lot of folks that are have your capabilities and, and have the voice you've got and, and are out there sort of very publicly, we don't. Yeah, we hear a lot. We talk about imposter syndrome. I, I have a PhD in imposter syndrome. Every once in a while, it just sort of like just rolls in hard. You know, I, I even joke. I said, like, I don't know if I deserve to have imposter syndrome. You know, like it's like <laughs> that, the ultimate imposter syndrome. But it's like, is there ever that side of of things, Randy, where you're have self-doubt that maybe doesn't come out necessarily? So I probably used to have that. I don't feel I do anymore because because I, I've been out there so much and I know people in our industry and, and from like just looking at, because the biggest thing I have is, that I enjoy the most is education. Education comes through the podcast. It comes through the webinars. It comes through the articles. It comes through even just, not even just, but being interviewed on other people's podcasts. And I feel I'm prepared for that. And I think I, in my mind, know it as well as anybody. I know imposter syndrome is big in tech. I've heard that a lot. It's just yeah. because I'm guessing it's an ever-changing, you know, profession. There's always something new and you feel like you can't keep up with it. You know, with tax, is it new? Yeah, obviously there's new stuff, but I, I have the freedom to dig into that pretty quickly when something new that is at least going to affect us comes out. So I, I never thought about it, but I don't think I have the imposter syndrome. I think I used to, for sure. And, and not even in business. I think it was more growing up. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was a, this is almost not imposter syndrome. It's more just confidence. I was right. you know, really good basketball player. The, the head coach of our basketball team asked me to play on the team. And in my mind, I wasn't good enough, so I wouldn't do it. And I look back and I go, that was, that was dumb. So it was a, com a confidence <laughs> is, uh, um, but I wouldn't change anything. I, where I am right. today, I don't want to be anywhere else. And if I did something different over the last 59 years, I'd be in a different spot. And this is the spot I want to be. I think that's another thing that comes through in so much of what you say, Randy, you talk about, you know, entrepreneurship as, as often being, you know, risk 
management and risk awareness and use, you know, talk about being not, you know, sort of focused on risk, but having that optimism, having that thing, you know, is your ability to also shed regret or, or sort of avoid regret. I often think like, I don't, there are many things I, I wish I had taken a different path with because I understand intellectually there probably would have been a route around it. But I also looked at certain things happen for reasons and I have to accept it, you know, because I can only change what I can and I can only change what's ahead, not what's behind. So what's your view on regret management, I guess, is what I would call it. So exactly what you said. Now, so for the longest time, there was things I regretted. The basketball, and that's why I brought that up still, probably, because it's probably still in the back of my mind. I love basketball. I play basketball probably more than anybody has. I've played so many games um, and regretted for a while not playing. But I've got over that, again, just because I want to be where I am today. Um, and so, you know, I don't. I try not to regret anything. Everything that I've done has changed me, has made me better. I was a computer programmer. Did that, is that where I ended up? No. Do I still use skills that I learned in that? I'm sure I do. I was in sales. I was not good at it. I didn't have passion for it, but I wasn't good at it. Um, I sell all the time now. I don't sell, I educate, but I'm really, I'm selling with education. I learned something back then in that. And, and, and so, you know, do I regret that I didn't go into public accounting straight out of school? No, because without those two things, I wouldn't be who I am today. And so, you, you know, you, you just have to, you have to, learn from it, but I don't look backwards. I look forward. And I know I take the skills I learned backwards. I take those 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 uh, education experiences and use them today, but I can't change that. I can only look and see. I can affect tomorrow. I can't affect yesterday. Another important thing that we hear about, and, and I participate in myself all the time, is the idea of communities of practice. And uh, entrepreneurship organization, EO is a popular one for entrepreneurs. They're at a certain phase of the organization. So you're basically surrounding yourself for, for, with people with a common purpose and a common experience. But the community of practice I want to focus on, Renny, you talked about stroke recovery and survivorship and that so that experience far outside of, so there's probably all walks of life of people that come in there, but how, how important is that in your, you know, continuous look back on that moment and that, that experience in your own life? So I'm, I'm fortunate that I can look back on that and, and not like, think I wish my stroke never happened. And the only reason I can sit in that situation is because I fully recovered and I'm in the position I am today. There are so many stroke survivors that are struggling daily with, you know, a loss of a half of their body, loss of ability to speak, loss of, you know, ability just to, you know, communicate in general, that, that that's, I, I, I feel selfish saying that looking back that, probably was a positive impact on me that 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 i i, I have a hard time saying that because there's 92 percent of the people that have stroke that probably can't well right. even if you have some uh, uh, deficit you i've talked to people look back at it and say yes this was this shape who i am today and i'm okay with that or good with that uh for me it it was it's hard to say positive experience because it, it it wasn't, but did it make me who I am today? And, and am I grateful for that? Yes, I'm grateful for that. And because of that, 
I, I give back to the organization that helped me, which is stroke survivors empowering each other. That was when I, when you have a stroke and I'm going to go into stroke here for a few minutes, if you don't mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so when yeah. I, when, when I had the stroke and when anybody has a stroke and I'm sure everybody has similar mindset is what just happened? Why did this happen? Is it going to happen again? What do I do next? And in that situation, I was looking back because you're like, why? I mean, why is a big part of it. And, yeah. uh, and so you, you, you have a stroke, you're in the hospital, they release you and that's it. They release you. I mean, there, there's not much else that happens. It's, it's like, now you're on your own. You got to go figure out what to do. They give you some pamphlets. They say there's a, a, a survivor <laughs> sort of like, group. So you've had a stroke. That's <laughs> yeah, a exactly. pamphlet. Thank you. <laughs> right. And, and so, and they'll tell you, there's a, you know, a, a survivor group that meets, uh, you know, once a month at the hospital and which is all great. The community of somebody that's gone through what you've gone is extremely important to, to be part of that. But for me, it was, and I was 51 at the time, um, it was, and, and this is this is a misconception, but in my mind it was, okay, there's going to be a bunch of 80-year-olds in this group, and I'm not going to connect with them and, and because I'm 51. Now I, now I know after the fact that I'm not special in being 51 when I had it. We have, we have a group called Young Survivors. We have a bunch of people 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old that have strokes. So stroke happens at any age. It's not just right. somebody who's 80, 90 years old. Um, but I was looking for this community that would know what I went through and be able to answer me. You know, a doctor could say this, a nurse could say this, but somebody that's had a stroke, I'm going to talk to. So um, I'm fortunate to know a few people who know people with strokes. I started talking to them and that was great. I felt, you know, at least I was getting answers from them, but I still wanted more. So I found this organization called Stroke Survivors Empowering Each Other. And it was based in Illinois, where I am, where I, where I live. I'm not there today, but where I live. And uh, I called them actually. I think I sent an email and they called me and they reached out to me and I'm like, this is unbelievable. They're calling me and, and, and they talked me about a, a group they had called survivor to survivor telephone support group, where you talk to somebody who's a survivor, they're going to communicate with you. They're going to call you monthly. They're going to ask how you're doing. They're going to, you know, if, you know, if I did have deficits, they're going to talk to you about how you start to use the bus or how you start to, you know, set up your home so that you can, you know, function how you, if you lose a side of your body, a lot of times people lose the, the one side of your body, the ability to use it. How do you just put toothpaste down a toothbrush now when you can only, and then brush your teeth? I mean, things like that, that they were yeah. able to communicate. And so they actually, the three leaders of that organization set up a meeting to get together with me. And I was like, this is amazing, this support that they have. And so from that, I told them, I mean, they, they helped me tremendously. I still had three or four years of, you know, dealing with mental health issues after that, but they got me down the right path. And, and because of that, I started to want to give back. And so I would do a little fundraiser here and there. I would do things. And then they asked me to be on the board. And the, the first board meeting, I look around and they, the president was just about to, she not just about, she just said, I'm going to step down. And I looked at everybody's faces and I didn't see anybody saying, I'm going to step up. That's <laughs> a great group. And, and But everybody has different skills. And I'm like, 
I'm going to be the next president, aren't I? <laughs> and then about a month later, uh, that's what happened. And but it's been great to give back. It's a great organization. It's been a, it was an experience that I do not wish on anybody to have stroke, but it has shaped where I am today. And for that, I'm grateful. Well, uh, I am glad that we have you here today, and I'm glad you're on the other side of that event and that you give back to your community. And Randy, it's been a real pleasure. I thank you so much for like, I think we very we didn't talk too much about taxes, so I'm probably, you know, it may seem like a disappointment from uh, quite often what you're talking about, but you- This is, Eric, this, this is, is what I wanna talk about. I, I'm, you know, I could talk taxes all day, <laughs> if I can share something to help somebody in business that has nothing to do with taxes or even personally, I want to do that. And I might be uh, have a big ego thinking I can help somebody, but hopefully something I say does make a difference to somebody. Well, I'm absolutely sure that you help people in, in some way every day. And, and uh, I, I appreciate spending the time today. So Randy, if people do want to reach out and get a hold of you and find out more, uh, what's the best way they can do that? So I would go to our website, which is try tri-merit.com. There's a, you know, about us page and link to my information there. You, know, you can go to LinkedIn. You can, apparently I'm going to be on TikTok soon and other things uh, where we're, I'm, I'm going to be recording like one or two minute uh, updates on different things. So, so, but go to the website. That's the best place to start. And you can get to anything else from there. Can you imagine that many years ago saying to yourself like, yeah, I'm going to be doing... <laughs> 90 second social media hits where nope. people do crazy dances. It, it's a, it's a fun world. And uh, I'm glad that, that we can all evolve to, to really, you know, fun stuff together. And thanks again, Randy. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you, Eric. I enjoyed it. I wasn't sure where that we were going with this, but it was awesome. Thank you much.